0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, all you hoaxers, hucksters, and hate crimesters. Welcome to episode number 112. Meaning you can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 112. Yes, thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day of madly retweeting all of the hate crimes that are going on around you, of vapidly staring at your television and buying into the leftist narrative that our world is, in fact, run by white supremacists, that they surround us at all times. And then in the city of Chicago, long known for its white supremacy, <laughs> and not for in fact being home to many, many people of uh of many, many different cultures, uh, that Chicago is in fact home to the real heartland of MAGA supporters. So, anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh yeah, obviously this show is going to focus in a large part on this whole Jussie Smollett. Uh, Hate crime hoax, which if you're not familiar with the story, essentially what went down was this guy named Jussie Smollett. Jussie, J-U-S-S-I-E. I guess his parents didn't know if they wanted a boy or a girl. Maybe they wanted to wait. He said, hey, honey, I don't want to know what this baby is. What we're going to do, we're going to mash together pink and blue. We're going to paint that wall a nice putrid kind of purple gray. We're going to get all gender neutral things. Maybe like Jussie Smollett might be the original baby. Where you don't want to pick a gender. So that's the way I can think of how you come to this name where clearly the mom wanted Jesse, the dad wanted Justin, and they settled on Jussie, which sounds honestly like a name you might give your pet rabbit. Maybe it sounds like a Jussie, or uh, perhaps a Jussie is like the name you give to a grandmother that's barely clinging to life. That kind of, you know, like a, a little nickname for something that you don't really love too much. And that's why it has such an idiotic name. Anyway, Justy Smollett, actor on Empire, had tried one time to get some attention from the mass media because the theory is that he had been told he was going to be written off of Empire or he was very concerned that his character was going to be written off of Empire. So what he did was first he sent a letter to the producers of Empire, allegedly Saying all these racist slurs and you know saying that he's you n know, word this and unword that and all sorts of things, and it was sent in a a letter that had kind of the old school. We're going to cut out magazine letters and glue them to a piece of paper and send them through. Which in this day and age, I mean, you could do it, I'm sure, without leaving as much evidence. But really, in this day and age, just go download different fonts, you know. Just there's many ways to do it that are far safer and far less uh, linking evidence than. Using your hands to cut out magazines, getting them dirty with glue, fingerprint oil, all sorts of things, sending it from a physical mailing address, licking the stamps, so your DNA is on the stamp, all these other things. They send this this letter through to the producers, right? And the letter was met with uh, kind of like a shrug by the producers of Empire. They said, eh, well, I don't know, man, maybe some, some nutball fan uh, wrote you a nasty letter. Who cares? You know, they kind of brush it off. And having worked in the PR industry long enough where my company has uh, had shared a name with another very famous entertainment company, even though they're completely unrelated, we would get a lot of letters sent to the office. And, you know, they would be for all sorts of actors from a, a few different popular shows. I'm not going to give it away because I don't feel like talking about uh, the specific companies. But let's just say a lot of nutball letters came in. And part of the fun we had would be reading these letters because they would be sent to people that were on shows that were no longer on the air and for 20 years off the air. You know, <laughs> Deal Merle Haggard. I, You know, I'm just making a name up, but you can imagine. It would just be batshit crazy stuff. You know, and, and some of them would be like, <laughs> I'll never forgive you for stealing my dog in 1957 when you were the star of X, Y, and Z. So anyway, just crazy shit. So these producers brush off this letter. And so Jesse Smollett decides, well, I got to kick this shit up a notch. So despite the fact that I'm in Chicago and it's the middle of winter on one of the coldest days of the year, and the story I'm going to tell people is going to make zero sense, I'm going to allege that I was mugged and beaten up, not even mugged, just beaten up by two white men wearing masks and MAGA hats. Actually, I don't even think he said they were wearing masks. Two white men in MAGA hats make America great again, who came up, beat him as he left a sandwich shop, put a noose around his neck that they just happened to be carrying around in their pockets, just in case, and then poured bleach on him and said, this is Trump country, you N-word. Right? Because you know, these are things that happen all the time in the mean streets of Chicago. So he goes and runs to the media with this story. And the media, of course... Just ladles and ladles and ladles it out into the public sphere. They eat it up no problem. Don't even give a damn. Just slurping that sweet hate crime jizz. And but seemed to have this guy on every different show talking about his this horrible ordeal he's gone through. He's weeping on camera, which of course he's an actor. This is probably the best acting he's done. He's weeping on camera. And oh, you know, I just I just am all about love. Why would this happen to me? So they, they don't fact check any of this stuff. You know, they they got the initial police report. The police were immediately skeptical of this report from what we're hearing. You know, he, re- he turns this and they say, okay, we're investigating it. But in no way did they endorse this narrative. But the media certainly did. So it comes out slowly but surely that what actually happened is Jesse gets quote unquote beaten up and mugged by two Nigerian brothers who were extras on Empire who he hired or had, had some arrangement with to come beat him up take part in this story, and that way he could run out and tell the media. And I'm sure he had some arrangement to pay them off or give them work, something like that. It also comes out that the initial letter that was sent that fell on deaf ears also was linked to these two brothers because they found the cut-up magazines in their apartment. They found, like, the bleach and the glue and all all these things that were used in in both of these hoaxes. And so, so now all these people... And even during this, even when people were skeptical, and I remember, you know, I, I should have actually talked about it more, too. And I, I think I just didn't have the time to come out on it, which is regrettable. But we had uh, when this story actually broke in the Lions of Liberty email chain that we had between me and Howie and Mark and Rico and all these guys and Odie, I had said, this sounds like 100% pure bullshit. And not be, not because I don't believe that somebody might be assaulted in a street somewhere. I mean, certainly that could happen. Uh, You know, we've seen different people get punched for far less reasons. Usually we see it actually as left violence towards people wearing MAGA hats. And how many times have we heard about that? People's hats being stolen and people getting punched in the face because they had a hat on, etc. So these things could happen. But more so, as I said earlier, you're trying to tell me that, again, in the middle of winter, there's just two white guys in matching red MAGA hats walking around carrying a bottle of bleach and a noose. Looking for a random black dude to string up, and it just happens to be a quasi-famous actor in the middle of the night on the on a freezing day. And again, <laughs> we're talking about Chicago here. We're not talking about you know deepest Alabama. We're not you know, even any city in the world. It's just these things don't happen. I mean, maybe if you were in some small Podunkville place, you know, some place that was uh, that still had Confederate flags hanging from every window maybe then, and even then, I highly doubt it, but just, it just was so ridiculous. So anyway, start to voice these concerns. And other people do as well. Now, now of course, the people voicing the concerns are right-leaning media figures or personalities that are more conservative or, are, like myself, libertarian, but there's also a little bit of rumbling from center leftists saying, you know, I don't know if I believe this or not, but for the most part, Everybody that's uh, on the progressive side of things is heavily using this as justification. Ah, they're exactly what they thought we are, which, of course, is as bigoted as you could be. I mean, you have this bigoted concept of an entire swath of people, namely people that voted for Trump. And now you're saying, aha, I am vindicated. This proves exactly what I thought about every one of them. (laughs) It's about classifying an entire class of people based on the actions of two people, allegedly. Well, this vindicates everything I've been saying that Trump is a violent racist and people is this virulent, virulent I can't speak. Virulent. There we go. I think I got it that time. Virulent ideology that's spreading. You know, and he's he's the main, he's typhoid Mary of racism. And it's just spreading from there. And this, of course, is is uh the main, the latest main thing that they point to. So they buy it hook line, and sinker. they run with it. Proof and proof of point. And anybody that dares question it is clearly either a racist or a blinded Trump supporter or has something against him personally or is just, you know, some sort of idiot. And even in the wake of this new news coming out, proving, well, actually not proving to say it's not a done deal yet. It's not cinched up with the little bow yet, but more or less completely disproving the narrative that Jussie has put out there. We now are being submitted to articles saying that all the people that questioned him before are still wrong. Despite the fact that they are completely correct that he made all this shit up, that it was a complete and total hoax and that these things are typically hoaxes. That they are still wrong. And there's people literally writing articles right now saying, I still believe Jesse Smollett. And the reasoning behind it is because they say that he has to be believed. That we have to believe all these people that are out there uh, crying racism at all t- points in time because that is the society. And we have to keep fighting the good fight for the good of society. I mean, this is we talking about just sheer madness that has overtaken culture in today's world. You're looking at it in the face where the facts do not matter. You know, this is like postmodernism. The facts do not matter because the facts are dictated by what they say is the patriarchal white white man or white culture is deciding the facts. So they don't matter. They get to ignore the facts or they get to to completely move the goalposts of what truth might be into something brand spanking new that they can still use for their nefarious purposes. And that's what we're seeing play out here. In hilarious fashion, mind you. Because some of the things... I swear to God, I was laughing so hard at some of these jokes. When this Jussie Smollett thing came out. I mean, one of the one of the better observations, I thought, was that... Not only could did he stage this whole thing. But he had to hire two black guys to do it. <laughs> like, he couldn't... He couldn't find two white dudes who would go along with the plan. And be like, alright, I'll... All right, Jesse. I'll I'll be the white guy that yells, "This is Trump country!" at you and throws bleach on you. I guess. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to get arrested or get anything, right? Yeah, we're all in the we're all cahoots here. Couldn't even find that. Couldn't find any real racists to come and beat him up. Couldn't hire any white racists to beat him up, so we had to hire black guys to beat him up, which I think was just too too funny. And then another one I, I very funny tweet I read was that somebody just saying, "See, this is the problem." Uh, when someone can act and then thinks that they can direct. <laughs> it is, I mean, you know, I, I decry the media pylons and the Twitter pylons when stuff like this happens, everybody leaping, not only to judgment, but also then to, con- to condemnation. And we are seeing a pylon, but if there's anybody that deserves it, it's this guy. And, you know, I think uh, some of us have been patient and you know, I, I consider myself being a uh, patient. Although, like I said, I had my doubts to see where this all went before I dove into it. I try to do that with, with some of these different stories, but this thing is just above and beyond, man. But getting back to the overall center of this topic for me, and as you might have surmised from the title of the episode, the whole concept of hate crime. And as it's tying into these hoaxes, we're seeing seeing play out and almost every time they're, they're fake. Um, it's it's just fascinating to me because we see these hoaxes get picked up and run with by the media, and there's a list of like you know the Daily Caller put them together, and they have something like I'm scrolling through. I mean, there's some 50 plus that these people have. You know, these from people stealing Muslim women's hijabs off their heads, which is everyone's been a lie, to people saying that they got racist letters when they're waitstaff lies. To uh, I my favorite is the one which is, by the way, still cited in the, uh, I think it was the anti defamation League, or one of the other ones. I'll I'll correct myself in a minute because I'm going to refer to a uh, Reason article. But the one where it was all these New York synagogues were being threatened. And they also had an instance where all of these tombstones were being knocked over, right? Jewish tombstones were being defiled and knocked over. Turns out what was actually happening was that it wasn't a, an anti-Semitic you know, white guy or black guy or Muslim guy that was doing this. No, it was a Jewish activist who was doing these things. This is stowed cold fact. The person's in jail. They were arrested. They were sending threatening letters. They were knocking over tombstones, essentially false flagging themselves so they could prove that anti-Semitism was a very real thing. And we're seeing that some of these people just want attention. Some of these people are trying to prove a point. Some of these people believe that the state of the union is so entirely threatened by Trump that they have to literally tear the foundations apart and and try try their damnedest to cause a race war. Because really, this guy, he had had a motivation, which was money. And you know, I can respect that. If I'm being perfectly honest, I can respect that a hell of a lot more than I can respect these assholes who are going out there trying to do it in efforts to paint a sole quadrant of America as racist or try to push through an agenda which has no basis in reality because they believe in their heart of hearts that the race war has to be fought, and that the white patriarchy does in fact control everything, which is just pure nonsense, and we see these reports of of you know hate crimes going up and of uh, anti-Semitic crime going up, the anti-defamation league put out a report that said anti-Semitism had whopped had, had excuse me had spiked a whopping fifty seven percent under trump. This is from a a recent article I've linked to. but then when you actually look into it. And, and by the way, that was also reported to the ends of the earth that this anti-Semitism had spiked. But what that reflected in their report was that earlier bomb threats that I had referred to earlier, which was the uh, this deranged Israeli teenager. And, I, and the other instance where I was talking about where this guy was knocking over the tombstones who happened to work for, you know, like he was like a volunteer for like a, a Jewish organization. And uh, so anyway, the actual levels of anti-Semitic violence According to the ADL's own assessments, actually went down 47%. So you're telling me that anti-Semitism is, is increasing 57%, yet somehow Jewish people are safer than ever. So what does that tell you? This is just all hot air. But we see more and more that these these instances get overreported. People are apt to jump to conclusions immediately they tend to believe any sort of allegation immediately because it justifies their own biases and their own point of view. And in the meantime, as I said, if it doesn't, they change the narrative to fit their point of view. And what was the craziest thing too is all these people who are uh, you know, still saying, well, he has to be believed, they're also these media moguls, or not moguls, these media personalities who are gleefully jumping on this story. Because as we know, the media is without a doubt left-leaning. So, all these people jumping on this narrative and saying that we have to be believed. Well, they're now turning around. And once the truth comes out, they're now poo pooing and shaking their fingers and tisk tisking all of the people that were on the light, all the people that were in the middle that were questioning this narrative and saying that, oh, you shouldn't be taking so much glee in the fact that this is wrong. Like, well, why not? Why wouldn't you? you? You were unfairly categorizing all of these people as being racist and homophobes. Why would you not take glee in the fact that the media once again has a huge black eye and got this whole thing wrong? Of course you're going to. But at the end of the day, when we look at all of these hoaxes, they're all tied into what? Hate crime. Which, as I've talked about on the show before, is itself a hoax. I mean, if we're talking about hate crime, which reason says hate crimes do happen, I completely disagree. I would say that crimes happen. I would say that people hate each other. And they hate each other for a wide variety of reasons, which can't be simply contained in any one phrase or any one widely and vaguely phrased assessment, such as hate crimes. But you can hate somebody, for example, for beating you in an Xbox. And I would venture to say without a fucking question in my being that more people are murdered every single year in fights about Xbox or online gaming than there are in all of America or, well, I won't say the world, but at least in all of America, that there are hate crimes that occur. How many people are dead of hate crimes in America? Now, we can count some of these gun, these mass shootings. I will not uh, take that away. I'll say they're categorized as hate crimes. I still think they are just simply crimes, but you could say they were done out of hate. Fine. That still only accounts for what? I don't even know. 40, 50 people a year. I could read about a story every three days of somebody getting stabbed over an online gaming fight. But yet we still hold these things up as though there's some indicator as to where society is headed. And it's just complete nonsense. And the fact that we have a this clinical assessment that, oh, well, this is a hate crime because it involved a black or a gay or it involved two races fighting, that gets taken out of context and ta- gets taken advantage of by prosecutors and by completely morally bankrupt social you know, justice warriors, uh, different organizations like the ADL. You know, these things get jumped upon when... Typically, they have nothing to do with hate crimes. Or, as we've seen many times in the past, you know, I was talking about that one instance where two black women alleged that they had been victims of hate crime from a white man on a bus. When it, the truth comes out, they had actually assaulted him. They were yelling at him. And they had video of it that came out later to prove exactly what happened. But immediately they were believed. And people go around this doing these things all the time. And from a prosecution standpoint, of course, you're going to say, oh, well, we'll go for the hate crime because my client's going to get more money. Or if you're the state, it's going to be that much easier to get somebody convicted of a crime that could be as simple as having an argument with somebody about, I don't even know, the color of their shoes and things escalate or simply getting in a fight at a bar. Now, I'm no advocate for violence. You guys know that. I don't believe in fighting in general, unless you have to defend yourself, but We've seen people get in fights over the dumbest things. I mean, God, the number of fights I've seen turn physical when two people are hammered at a bar, I can't even count them on two hands. But that doesn't mean that they're hate crimes automatically because there's a black guy and a white guy or a Chinese guy and a Muslim guy or whatever it might be, or one of them happens to be gay. But we see that being categorized over and over. We see people going to jail for three times as long because of these things. We see the amount of suffering placed upon their families extended by you know multiples because of it you see the payouts these people get you see the uh, amount of corporate I, I mean basically it basically comes down to like people can go after the, their corporations for what amounts to a corporate version of hate crime and this whole oh I'm being discriminated against nonsense now in instances where like I said earlier there might be somebody that goes and shoots up a synagogue I understand. You want to categorize that as a crime of hate. But somebody disliking a group of people because of their race or religion has been going on from the beginning of time. I mean, remember the Crusades? Remember the Holocaust? Those those would technically be considered hate crimes, would they not? But in reality, it's just... People disliking one another, people wanting to blame one another, whether that be out of pure malice or out of political uh, convenience. I mean, Hitler and the Jews, Hitler definitely didn't like the Jews without a doubt, but it also became something where it was easy to blame all the ills of society on the Jews to foster that hatred, commit one of the worst atrocities that mankind can remember. But hate crimes should be no different than regular crimes. If you assault somebody, you assault somebody. If you steal somebody, you steal from them. If you fire somebody unjustly and they think that they have a, a case in court and you want to go and sue your employer, even though I would venture to say that your employer can fire you for just about anything that goddamn will please for any reason, well, then go and sue your employer. But don't do it over this false charge of discrimination. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's gotten to a level where the writings on the wall as clear as day. That these things are repeatedly liars, hoaxes, hucksters, people looking to get attention, people looking to get revenge, people looking to get ahead. It's just at what point do we address the core issue, which is hate crime legislation and decide that any hate crime is purely a hoax at the end of the day because you can't have this make-believe law, which can be interpreted in 50 different ways. And depending on the mood of the jury or the mood of the prosecution, or what, maybe even what time of day it is, depending on how high the sun is setting, if the person's skin looks a little darker that day than it might on the previous day, the Sean King theorem, if you will. We have these kind of variables that can be put into play because this law is so vague and so ill-written. Well, we just have to say, get rid of the goddamn thing. End the hoaxes by ending the legislation. It's as simple as that. And maybe this song will help. Jesse's a fraud. Yeah, I know it was a fraud on empire. But lately something's changed that ain't hard to define Jesse's got Nigerian brothers, they're gonna stay, she cried No one's watching him with their eyes And he's crying to the media, I just know it Yeah, he's going on all the shows late, late at night, you know All right, that'll do it for this half of the show. We'll be right back after word from our fantastic sponsor. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. train to win visit conversation and take advantage of a free 15 minute consultation just for listeners of the show all right welcome back to electric liberty land episode number 112 again all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ell 112 and uh guys another reminder join the pride help us out support us on patreon Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And uh, I will have, before the end of this week, the first episode of Do Nothing Man will be published. I promise you that. That's a Do Nothing Man pledge. So uh, get it it while it's hot, folks. Get it while it's hot, steaming pancakes up in your ass. All right, let's get back into the show here. Um, I know the McCabe stuff uh, has been talked about a good amount already. So I don't want to go too deep into it. But I do want to touch upon it. And that's kind of going to be my thing, uh, by the way. So what I want to not do any longer is regurgitate talking points or uh, or give my own take on something that's going to be really long and drawn out, going into detail on something that's already been covered by a lot of other people in the space. Because really, I know a lot of there's, there's a lot of overlap within the industry. The industry. I'm, I'm calling libertarian podcasting an industry. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> ha! As if. Anyway, there's a lot of overlap between the content that I'm covering and, say, the content that a Tom Woods or a Mance or a Dave Smith or a Stapleton or uh, anybody out there is going to be covering. So instead of doing that, when those topics that have been out for a little while and, you know, the McCabe interview, they tease that like a week in advance. And then finally, this thing came out. So I don't want to go into super detail on it. So I'm going to give you a hot take and then we're going to move along. How about that? Sound good? Cool. All right. The McCabe shit. So McCabe's doing a book tour. He's traveling around. And of course, McCabe was, uh, after Comey was fired, he was next up for the FBI and met with President Trump. They did not get along, <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that he is no longer with the FBI, nor is Comey. And uh, and Rod Rosenstein, obviously, is not, uh, not on the ends either. So McCabe goes out and he's doing this book tour, much much of the Comey fashion. So he's getting a lot of media coverage because obviously the media are apt to suckle at any teat that is going to provide them with that sweet, sour milk of Donald Trump uh, shit-talking. And he goes on 60 Minutes, and this is a really in-depth interview. Now, he's gone on The View. He's gone on a bunch of other places. I know Meghan McCain was ripping into him uh, on The View a little bit. But the 60-minute interview was pretty in-depth. I mean, there was a good half an hour with the guy. And also had some of the most telling statements and so i'm just going to go through and kind of give a couple of things that i pulled out of it and uh let's take about 10 minutes so if you're sick of mccabe shit fast forward throw your ipod out the window uh step on your phone tape it to a cat smack the cat on the butt whatever you want to do to skip this part i'll leave it up to you but i will say this laura logan who has been a darling of 60 minutes for i don't even know i mean God, the past fifteen, twenty years, probably, and she's their foreign correspondent. She was the one that's been really gotten famous off of these foreign wars that we continuously fight because she was not afraid to go out, you know, go out to Afghanistan, go to Iraq, uh, etc. And actually, has a fondness in my heart only for the fact that she had covered in detail the work of uh, Father Dubois, who's a client of mine, who's one of the guys that I talk about doing research into these mass graves that were created outside of Auschwitz by the Nazis that went through countryside's in Europe just i mean literally just shooting not, or shooting uh, Jews in the head as part of the Nazi practices of the day uh, and it's really underreported so laura logan did a, a big 60 minutes piece and i believe a follow up as well on uh, yahad Nunum. but now i like her even more because laura logan has left 60 minutes and this and, and you know, she had i guess been on the outs with 60 minutes for a couple of months now uh, if we're to believe some of the reports. So something like you know, 30, 60 days where she was not creating content. They kind of didn't know what to do with her. And as it turns out, the reason that they didn't know what to do with her was because Laura Logan had a lot of issues with the editorial direction of CBS in 60 Minutes and with the media industry as a whole. And I'll circle back to the McCabe stuff because this is, this is tied in in a, in a way. Uh, so Laura Logan... 60 Minutes Darling, goes on a, it was a Navy SEALs podcast, but also I think has done a couple other interviews recently, basically saying, well, the left is just full of shills. You know, it's kind of echoes, I believe it was also a CBS producer who had been there for a long time, who had also come out. He was more, I think, on the writing side of things, but he had also said the same thing. He goes, you know, our job as journalists is to actually look into these things. You know, it's not just to be activists for the left is not to continu- continuously bash the president. Uh, it's not to look for any narrative that fits what we want the world to become. It's it, we're supposed to report the news. We're supposed to give an unbiased opinion, or at least at the very least, if you have an opinion, you still get both sides of the fact. You don't just completely ignore one side in lieu of jumping on uncircum- yeah, uncircumcised, <laughs> unsubstantiated. Where's my mind going today? Must be all this Jew talk is this- Circumcising versus uncircumcising. Just read a thing about genital mutilation uh, in Minnesota. They were, they were, uh, anyway. <laughs> Get my brain back on tracker. Anyway, so he was talking about the same thing though. You know, unsubstantiated, uh, uncorroborated evidence in a lot of these stories, and they just jump on it. They got to report it. Reported. They can't wait. So he had quit, left CBS or and one other organization, and now Laura Logan has gone on this Navy SEALs podcast and said the same thing. She goes, you know, the, the entire environment that we're in now is just completely toxic. There's no honesty left in journalism. And that she is, for one, just sick of it. So after this breaks, and as she also was quoted as saying that she, she looked to Breitbart to get the other side of opinions because she was sick of just hearing the exact same side parroted on every single media outlet and within her own newsroom. So comes out, Day ago. Oh, she's fired. <laughs> Is You know, we're seeing the bias laid bare here. People aren't even trying to pretend anymore what they're doing. I guess, the, I, I mean, I guess the entire media on, I mean, what, 80% of them, which are leftists or Democratic registered voters, they just don't care anymore. They're not trying to woo half of the population of the, uh, of the United States. They just said, fuck it. You know, they're they're not they're not hiding anything anymore. CNN, you know, laid off all of its right-leaning commentators. Um, anyway, so I think it was like three or four in, in a week got laid off. They're, they were contributing. You know, Dave Smith's not there anymore to challenge anything that they have to say either. They, uh, they didn't bring his contract back. And now we've got Laura Logan, one of the most iconic faces, names, reporters, and honest integrity, you know, and, and uh, a journalist with a lot of integrity. Now she's looking for a job. And for what? Because she dares to question the almighty leftist media? And it's not like she's saying anything insane here. Like, oh, well, we should really give Trump the benefit of the doubt. All she's saying is you got to be fair. You got to tell both stories. You have, to, you have to at least look into the facts of something before you run with it. So this McCabe interview could not come at a better time than after Laura Logan leaves 60 Minutes. Because it was really a pretty embarrassing interview, with, except for one question, which I'll get to, that uh that Scott Pelley finally, finally asked after just buying into everything that he's saying. So McCabe's in there sitting down, giving his whole stone faced, I'm a I'm a good boy scout for the country uh shtick. And one laughable comment that was right off the bat he's saying that when he was told that that Jones Comey got fired, Trump brought him into his office, and he said, oh, you know, people are very happy that James Comey's gone, which I would believe if you were a member of the FBI who had any sort of responsibility or uh, or urge to do an honest job for what you were hired onto, you you would think that this whole Peter Strzok thing and the job Comey did would maybe put you a little bit off the fact that he was just basically a shill for Hillary Clinton. And of course, McCabe is as well. But he brings him in and uh, Trump says, oh, you know, people are very excited, which, regardless of whether or not you think that's true, what's the president going to say when you go into his office? Is he going to be like, yeah, people are really pissed off that I fired that guy, but uh, screw him, screw him and screw all of you. Of course not. What do you expect the guy to say? So McCabe goes in there and he goes, oh, how did you feel when James coming got fired? Was it, you know, was that true? Were people happy to see him on? And McCabe goes, oh, no, we had lost our leader. You know, he lost this. it's like, Okay, guy, you work in the FBI. You say you lost your leader here. Are you telling me you're a you're a, a spook? You're a government spy. You're you're spying on the people of the United States. The CIA spies on other countries and uses the people of the United States. Spies on us in turn. But the FBI, your job's to spy and lie to the people of the United States. So you're telling me you're not spying and lying on your boss to try to undermine him to get his job? I mean, hey, oh, I'm sure you're very sad that you got this job now. You're working for a man that you also hate and that you're also complicit in trying to depose. But anyway, laughable line. And then McCabe tries to position Trump saying that Comey is, uh, or Comey, whatever his, his name is, that he's going to be missed, or that he won't be missed. Sorry, that people are happy to see him gone. As opposed to McCabe's assessment that, oh, he was beloved. They're, he's then trying to parlay this into like, a reason why the 25th Amendment talk eventually came up. Because he starts to say that, oh, my God, it was just, it was madness. You know, there was just so much chaos in the in the Oval Office during this time. And Rosenstein and I, you know, the entire FBI, we were so stressed out and there was turmoil. And like, well, yeah, of course there's turmoil. Kobe just tried to blackmail the president with the Fusion GPS document and he got fucking fired. So now none of you know what to do because your modus operandi for blackmailing presidents that's been passed down from Herbert Hoover onwards is now defunct. You don't know what to do. None of your jobs are safe now. Your whole deep state cronyism shtick is done. Donald Trump's not standing for it. I mean, I, I do. I gotta say, I respect Donald Trump so much just for the fact that, you know, James Comey walks in there and flops this bullshit report down at his desk and gives a little wink wink, you know, the whole... Oh, uh, we'll, we'll keep this, we'll keep this from, uh, from public eyes. You know, we'll take care of, it. we'll make sure to exonerate. And Trump's like, get the fuck out of here. I like, can't the fuck out of my office with this shit. And then, so McCabe's talking about that. And then he's saying that, well, Trump fired James Comey because, you know, because of this whole Russia collusion thing. And I'm not saying it's true, but it might've been true. And that's why we had to investigate him. Like the Trump firing Comey for trying to blackmail him with a document, which in a second, any any organization worth half of its salt would look at it, see who it was funded by, which is why by the Democrats, by Hillary Clinton, giving money to her law firm who then hired Fusion GPS, a opposition research firm, to hire another British spy who outwardly hated Trump to find dirt that is completely uncorroborated. There's no evidence to back, there's no pictures, there's no video, there's no records, there's nothing. It's just nonsense. Any organization would have looked at that and said, oh, this is this is total horseshit. Why are we wasting our time with this? And it's seen as the president fires this guy because of this report, he's probably justified in doing so. Not McCabe, not McCabe and Rosenstein, man. Instead of doing that, they said, well, you know, it was, it was so turbulent and he had fired our uh, my predecessor, my leader, So, you know, we talked about that and we said, well, this is, you know, we think that the president is trying to help cover this up and that's why he fired James. So that's why we had to put toward two investigations. What about collusion, which again, isn't a crime, but uh, because maybe the Russians helped the president get elected. And then two, that Trump was a Russian agent, literally a Russian agent working for Russia. And I said this on Monday's show. Uh, if you didn't hear it on our L A L D L episode, which I was very tired for, so I didn't talk as much as usual. But good news, you get to hear a whole goddamn hour of me spray and spittle uh, right here. But okay, let's say, let's say for a hot second that Donald Trump went into this thing as a Russian agent. Right? Never mind the fact that the guy is a billionaire uh, that has no reason to be working for Russia. I mean, what's the best that's going to happen if he's he goes in there and he makes a deal with Russia to, what, get another building built in Moscow? Is that what we're basing this off of? Like he couldn't just go and build a building somewhere fucking else and make just as much money without having to worry about the headache or an international investigation going on while he's running for president? But let's just presume, okay, let's presume that Trump, in fact, was an agent for Russia, right? So what then happens if he wins and becomes president, do you still think he's going to be like, huh? Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm president of the most powerful country in the entire fucking world now, and uh, seems like I have pretty much free reign to bomb things and run things, and I'm uh, widely uh, seen as a, a strong leader of the free world." Well, you know, I oh, I forgot, I'm still working for Russia. Hey, Vladimir, what do you want me to do today? Is it more likely that he continues to do that? Or he's like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking president now. Uh, I'm the leader of the free world, uh, quote, in, in air quotes, of course, leader of the free world. So, you know, fuck that. Fuck Russia. I know I would. I'll tell you what, man. If I'm working at McDonald's and then I win the lottery, I don't fucking keep working at McDonald's. Just on its face. Retarded. So anyway, these assholes decide that they're going to they're gonna move forward this investigation. And, uh, you know, this senator around what he, uh, Trump, I told Rosenstein about, you know, well, I want you to include Russia in a memo about James Comey's firing. And of course, Rosenstein didn't do it. Yada, yada. So they, they say, and okay, well, we've got to investigate this guy. And then they start talking about wearing a wire to see why did he really fire Comey? Was it to cover up that he's working for Russia? which got fired down. But the fact that you have an attorney general that wants to wear a wire is suspicious. This whole thing is is ridiculous and suspicious. The fact that they don't have microphones everywhere in the Oval Office, by the way, is also suspicious and complete bullshit. I mean, we're talking about the CIA and the FBI. You're telling me there's no bugs in the Oval Office anywhere. You're telling me there's no bugs everywhere in the white house. For Christ's sake, we already know for a fact That Was it the CIA or the NSA? I think it was the CIA was spying on all of Congress, reading all of their emails, listening to all of their phone calls, and that was proven despite their denying it in the court. So they shot down the I'm going to wear a wire thing. And then (laughs) they bring up the concept of using the 25th Amendment, which, of course, was created in case somebody became completely, you know, like uh, had a stroke in office, like one of the presidents had a stroke, or if somebody becomes mentally incapacitated in a real functional way, like somebody gets shot in the fucking head. You know, Reagan got shot, Roosevelt got shot. That's more what they're talking about. You know, you're brain dead or you can't do it, or you're Ruth Bader Ginsburging out. So it's not because you're stressed out. And they literally, McCabe says this about three or four different times, they said, well, we had to discuss this because you know it was just such a turbulent time and you know, we, were, we were so very stressed out. And that's this is literally why they're talking about deposing the president because they have two nonsense investigations which they have to know are bullshit into whether or not he's a Russian agent and because they were stressed out from the way Trump was acting when Trump, of course, is dealing with being investigated for this bullshit the whole time. So they think that they should use the 25th Amendment they literally poll cabinet members and ask them if they would be willing to support this to oust a elected president of the United States who has been proven to have done nothing wrong, who seems completely mentally competent in every possible way, to depose him, to stage a deep state coup. You got deep state up in here. I mean, this is madness. And I don't need they there. I, I don't understand how this is not treason. How is it not treason? And look, I'm not the biggest Trump fan in the world either. But this is like, what if Ron Paul was in there? Would he have even lasted this long? Or would they have pulled this shit on him day one and he would have been out? Because Donald Trump doesn't have the mass support for people like Trump does. Donald Trump, uh, Ron Paul doesn't have the allies anywhere that Trump's fostered over the years by being a political shill and a supporter and a, and a billionaire. So <laughs> Ron Paul probably would have gotten out there about four days in and out still would have been the best libertarian president by far. But if you can't handle stress in your job, what, should you have that job? Ignoring the, the fact that they clearly both wanted to oust him. And you know, that's the one thing Scott Pelley did ask him. He said, it sounds like Rosenstein was trying to get rid of the president one way or the other. Of course, McCabe denies that. And, now, and of course the department of justice issued a, a, a memo Saying that McCabe doesn't know what he's talking about and Rosestein never never wore a wire. Of course, they're just covering their own asses. You know, deep state covering for deep state. But it was just hot damn ridiculous. And I'll finish the I'll finish this up because I said I don't want to talk too long about it. I'll finish it up with this. This was the best zinger of the night by McCabe. I, not zinger. This was the most laughable line McCabe said all night. What he said, you know, talking about why he he had to push forward this investigation. You know, he says, You know, talking about his job, he goes, I just wasn't willing to lie to keep it. (laughs) Think about that. We're talking about a government spook whose job is to lie for a living. I mean, look at all the lies that have been told to indict the people around Trump. All of the lies the FBI tells nonstop and the deep state as a whole tells nonstop to people. And really, I wasn't willing to lie to keep my job. All you do is lie, motherfucker. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, enjoy your unemployment. Trump won Deep Space Deep State Zero. <laughs> oh, what an entertaining presidency. Ah, oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Last thing I want to wrap up on here and then we'll call it an episode is again, more embarrassment by the national media, leftist media as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez goes on her. I'm a fucking liar tour trying to defend her new green deal, which you could hear. Yeah, you know, I, I did a nice big bar talk episode about the new green deal last episode. Guys highly recommend it. It's called the new green death star I'll link to it in the show notes or just listen to episode 111. Uh, But she puts this plan out. It's on her goddamn website in black and white. You can cut and paste the thing. Now it's, it's of course, been changed and taken down. They release it to the media because every media outlet has the talking points. Everybody covers it, fawningly covers it until people start to get into it a little bit. And then they realize, oh, this is one of the most retarded, economically- and politically and socially devastating plans that has ever been put forward. It would literally mean the end of the country, the end of the country. And I'm not I'm not using hyperbole there. I'm not being hyperbolic. The end of the country. Listen to 111. You'll see what I mean. So instead of owning it, instead of walking it back, what happens? Oh well, Ocasio Cortez says, "Oh no, um." That's No, that was doctored, which is bullshit. Not doctored at all. People have the screenshots of it on her website. Not doctored in any way. That was doctored. We never said people that were unwilling to work would get paid. Yeah, you did, bitch. Yeah, you did. Another thing they're talking about is just like the basics of like airplane travel. She's on, she's doing media interviews, right? And and by the way, let me just tell you how I know this is complete horseshit because she went on NPR to talk about this, like the day after it came out or the day of this thing coming out to talk about the details of the deal. Okay. Well, you know what? If your deal didn't get released, Ocasio-Cortez, how did NPR have all of the details there for you to talk about? If this was leaked without permission, if there was, if it wasn't supposed to be published on your website, just unbelievable. So she's going out there now saying that it was leaked and, and people are buying it, hook, line, and sinker. All these political journalists, this is where really this, this uh, you know, very, very apt headline. Political journalists are trying to gaslight America is the headline. Again, this is in the show notes. How perfect is that? Making the public try to believe that they're insane for, for thinking that, oh, well, this this little baby darling, our little socialist Democrat, well, she would never put out something as idiotic as this. I mean, she's got an economics degree. She's working with a Yale professor of economics, who, by the way, I heard the interview with this Yale professor of economics on another show. I think it was a CNN show. And this asshole is saying the same thing. Oh, no, we didn't, we didn't promise that, that – we never said that there would be no airplanes. We didn't say that we would you know, rebuild these houses. We never said any of that when it's there. It's a black and white and at first, I think it was Tucker. Actually, no, it was Tucker Carlson. I think he was on a Tucker show, maybe. Don't quote me on this. Somebody's sh- fucking show. And at first, the guy says that. And uh, and he goes, oh, oh, I didn't realize that. It was He said it was doctored, the thing about unwilling to work. He goes, oh, I didn't realize that was that was a doctored. Okay, well, sorry, we got that wrong. And then literally, you can see the producer correct him and be like, no, that's bullshit. It says it in the document. We're at the website. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he calls the guy out on it. But the dude just denies, deny, deny, deny. And all of these political journalists are rolling with this. They're saying, they're believing this complete bullshit lie. Alexandria Cortez is a liar, even more than Donald Trump could ever hope to be. She is a fucking liar. And the lies that she tells are just as dangerous as the ones he's telling. And that scares me because he's the president of the United States. I expect him, number one, I expect him to lie. Uh, number two, he has way too much power. This whole state of the emergency that he's, he's declaring for the wall funding is outrageous. Again, I don't want to talk about this. I think too many people have already talked about it already. But when you got the president, he can lie to you about any number of things that he declares the state of emergency. He's got way too much goddamn power. We know that. We need to rein in executive power, and there's no doubt about it. And again, I was hoping that one of the things from this Trump presidency and all the constant shrieking we hear from these lefties would be to rein in executive powers, which have been out of control and abused by everyone dating back probably, I mean, really dating back 60, 70 years. But the way that Obama, the way that Bush, the way that Bush Sr., they all abused the living shit out of these executive orders. And now I'm saying, man, maybe we can rein it in because we got somebody that people seem to really hate. All these congressmen are motivated to take him down. The House is Democratic now. Maybe they can, they can bring this in. And thank God we're actually seeing the House pass a resolution to rein in the, the atrocities going on in Yemen. Rand Paul's been fighting to rein in the war powers for the president for the last five, seven years, however long he's been in there. But this idiot, this lying 28-year-old former bartender Her lies have enough power to get four different Democratic frontrunners for the presidency to sign on, sight unseen, and then go along with her lies about what is in the plan. These people jumped on board with this, full support for the new Green Deal, and now are going to allow her to get away with completely altering the deal that they signed on with, though, sight unseen. We have all the media telling us that this is the way forward. We have all these economists on the left saying, oh, we must adopt this fucking Paul Krugman. And it's all just bullshit. It's all complete, complete bullshit. And now we're just going to pretend it never happened. Now, the bright side of this, the silver lining to this, guys, is that whatever she comes back with is going to be At least 90% as stupid as the initial proposal. Because she can't pull all the way back. Her fans, her rabid, green, Brooklyn, bubble-living fans need to have these heavy socialist and green project values in there. Otherwise, she loses her cred. She loses her brand. So she has no choice but to continue to push out this this complete, just unsustainable, uh, society-wrecking nonsense and I look forward to seeing the next iteration because every time she puts something out that's actually in writing, you're going to see the exact same feeding frenzy where people look to tear it to just to please splinters. And it was unbelievably easy to tear apart the last document. It'll be even easier to tear apart the new document because not only can it be torn apart from just a pure rational logic perspective, but it can also be torn apart by her own constituents who say you're selling out. So welcome to the game, baby. All right, that's it, guys. I'm going to wrap it there. Uh, extra cursing this episode for you. I knew you missed. I knew you missed the cursing. So anyway, from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.